Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Pretty good, pretty good. Well, it's uh, it's Wednesday, uh, and the Falcons have a loss, so I guess we got to let that go. I, what do you think of the Thursday night game? They should get rid of that, right? Oh, I don't... For the betterment of the game, yes, probably, but it's all about money. Yeah, that's true. And Those the, things don't go backwards. <laughs> that's yes, especially in the NFL, except suspensions, I guess. But anyway, that's football. Baseball is better, and here we are. I guess you could say we're about halfway through the postseason at this point. Um, what would you? How would you grade the postseason so far to this point? Oh, I'm. Uh... It hasn't been great. I mean, it's, you know, um, the Cubs have been nothing. <laughs> so oh, really? Yeah, I mean, they haven't, uh, they're through. You know, they haven't touched. I mean, sure, the Mets, you know, starting pitching is tremendous. But there have been other people out there other than the, you know, the three big starters. And uh, actually, the two big starters. And nobody has played, has stepped up to it. Clippard is not that good. Uh, the uh, Cubs have been, uh, they have been that I'm just happy to be here type thing. It's Really? It, I think so. Oh, my God. Cubs Nation's going to tear us apart. <laughs> yeah, probably, but I'm sorry. They've, they've, they've been nothing. Well, they're down uh, 0-2. They're but pitching. You know, they can't lose the first two games with Arietta and Lester. And now <laughs> the rest of their starters are, I'm sorry, just not going to match up to DeGrom. And, you know, and all of the Met pitchers are well-rested. Uh, you know, they're, they're throwing people, you know, Cespedes is throwing people out at the plate. I don't see anybody, you know, uh, on the Cubs doing anything. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know, they, they did beat the Cardinals. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, and, and it's, they beat the Cardinals when the Cardinals were crippled. You know, oh, I'm man. sorry. I, you know, I'm not a a Cardinal fan, but the Cardinal, you know, the Cardinals can't win every year. And one year when everybody is broken, then maybe they lose that year. They come in second. They win a hundred games. You know. That's yeah. All. Well, how about Kyle Schwarber though? I mean, he's been somewhat of a a revelation. I mean, uh, that guy hits him long and far. Yes. He's he a does. big boy, too. He, he does. I'm And I'm not. It's just the Cubs didn't come to play this year. Oh, whoa. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look out. Look out. I don't know. That team's got a lot of energy. They're going. They, they are. It's okay for them to go do all of their little things. You know, they can wear pajamas through the hall tonight. I, You know, whatever they want to do to, you know, in with the Madden voodoo. Uh but they haven't come to play so far. The Mets have just have just dominated them. And the Mets are a good team, but they are not a dominating team. And it is, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I expected and hoped more from the Cubs. Yeah. Well, and I don't see any chance of them winning. I don't see any chance of them going on. I do think the Blue Jays have, you know, uh, there's a certain energy that they're getting at home. And it talked about this earlier. There's such a difference in ballparks. Uh, Kansas City does not want to play in a home run 
uh, players you know, are in a short field. Uh, likewise, um, the uh, the Blue Jays, the best place for them to play is not Kauffman Stadium. So uh, the Blue Jays, I mean, they're uh, they're they've got a, a big task ahead of them, but it is uh, not as m- uh, whatever you monumental, say, monumental, not as Cubs. steeply uphill. Well, I don't know. I mean, as we're as we're recording this right now, the game four is in progress, and they're already down four zero in the first. Last night proved that if you're going to beat the Royals, you're going to need every single run that you get, and then some. No, absolutely. So what I mean. First off, the the ALDS versus the 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 League Championship Series, a story of home field advantage finally existing. Um, you know, it seemed like there was no home field to, to speak of in the in the LDSs until the Game Fives that came around. Uh, but here, Royals win the first two at home, then Toronto wins Game Three as they should. Um, you know what? What do you think right now? Does Toronto I, come back and win this? If they don't win this, does that mean it's over? Does it get back to no? It gets to, Kansas to, it gets to be very difficult. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, if uh, it's hard to come down, I mean, come from behind with a one and you know one and three situation, and the other team having home field, it's that's going to be you know next to impossible. Uh, but. The uh, Blue Jays can score runs. Uh, oh yes! Right now, the the uh, I mean, it's not like they're facing uh, Degrom and Harvey and you know at all. They got to get excited when they see Cueto's name on the card. <laughs> what about that guy in Chance? Huh? It seems like every postseason he's in, his name is getting chanted by the opposing fans. <laughs> Oh, Somebody gosh. on Twitter, uh, forgive me for not uh, quoting properly, said that uh, it must feel great to be the heel all the time. Oh, gosh, really? I think it was at JC Tango, so thank you for that. Um, game five, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, what did you make of that seventh inning? And then the way the fans, I mean, that was the 2012 Braves wildcard game scenario playing out in Toronto. And then the bat flip. What was your takeaway from just that game? That game, that inning, I the bat flip was great. <laughs> I, I mean, was a I, fan too. The uh, I you know I it was I, I mean you're you're allowed to do things like that in the playoffs. And uh, you know, and when you're in postseason, you hit home runs late like that. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I, I think it's good for the game. Yeah, and I I think that. Given that particular moment, I mean, this isn't exactly a game in the middle of, you know, May, and he's doing this in the seventh inning. I mean, this is game five, right, elimination right, right. and all yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Do you buy into what Ken Rosenthal said that, you know, the errors committed on three straight plays by the Rangers was because they were truly afraid for their lives at that point? Uh, that seems a little hyperbolic. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um you know what? Do you Afraid think for their lives? Okay. Well, I, I you know, I, I am a writer at heart. So, okay. but that the the nerves, that the tension of that moment. I mean, that inning lasted almost an hour because of how long it took to get the fans to stop throwing stuff. Do you? And in the end, the play that caused it, um, 
it was the right call. It was it was incidental contact, not batter interference. So do you, do we need to get to a point now where the umpires are able to get on the mic and tell the crowd <laughs> why the ruling is okay? Uh, no, no. Well, you, no. why not? It works uh, in football because we don't. Are you mean okay? Uh, get on. I I see what you're saying. Yeah, like if and, the home plate um, if the crew chief of that game was able to get on, you know, the PA system and say. You know, the runner was allowed home plate because of incidental contact. I mean, do we think that that would have kept it things a little bit calmer in the stands? I, yes, perhaps. Uh, but that sort of excitement is only going to happen in playoff games. One of the great things that baseball gives us is a continuum. It gives us this, It, it it's, one of those things that we need it it we have we have to have thing it, there are people that don't like baseball and maybe for them it's their garden uh maybe you know it's music it's it's good food it's conviviality these things we have to have these sort of things in our life the diversions that enrich it and one of the things that baseball gives us is that for 6 months it's always there. It's not like it's only three days until Sunday. It's like it's there every day, uh, except for a couple of days around the All Star game. Uh, <laughs> but and it's always there for us. We don't have to follow it every day, but when we need it, it's there. It's one of the great things of that six months, and and that is. I, I think one of the things that puts so much emphasis on the World Series and the playoffs is because very soon, in a couple of weeks, we don't have it for six more months. You know, and that's like a safety net for some of us that's not there. Yeah. And so, in, in answer, in a long roundabout <laughs> yeah. way of answering, but that's your very question, beautiful, I must say. No, no. In, in, in answering your question like that, it is the. The sameness of baseball in many ways that is the comfort to us. It's the thing because it's always there. And so if we change the relationship between the umpire and the fan, that changes that continuity that is baseball. It may be safer to do that. Uh, in the long run, you know, we we might have a crowd erupt sometime, and that would be awful. But I don't know if uh, if even that would be worth changing that part of the game that brings us home. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, it certainly wasn't uh, disco demolition night. So no, no, no. <laughs> so there's that. Um, let and, me and and you know. Ten cent beer night. There have been some things that have you know gotten out of hand. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't in exactly that, but it's, Detroit in September. You know. Right, but we did have we did have some things that were very sad to see. You know, fans getting upset in the upper deck and trying to throw things to the field, and they don't exactly make it. Yeah, they I don't. Guess. They don't have Batista arms up there, and they're landing on fans and kids sure, down below. It's, so it's bad. It's bad. All right, go clean it up. Go clean it up. All right, because I want those kids to be able to go to that game. I don't, you know, kids should have a positive experience of being at a pro baseball game, just like I did, just like you did. So now let me ask you this. Um, Arietta, we're talking Cubs again here. Do you think that it's a dead arm or, I mean, 
you really think that he's done if he doesn't if he gets another start that it's not going to matter that we won't see the Arietta of the two months prior. No, I don't think we will. I think he's had uh, such an increase in innings over his uh, and which would in essence be pitches as well. Let me say. Uh, he's thrown so many more pitches this year than he ever has in the past. Uh, that by a large a, margin, man. Right, mind right. Two exciting, uh, you know, sixty some innings or something. That's uh, granted. It may not be the same in pitches. I mean, he has been a lot more economical uh, in pitches for the innings, you know, uh, that he's pitched. Uh, but his his arm is tired. Is it a dead arm? No, no, it's tired. He's tired. He's been at the end of a very long season. He's thrown, what, 240-some innings, you know? By this point, uh, yeah. And uh, he's never come close to doing that before. He's tired. He, you know, he's a big boy, but uh, to you know, he, he'll he probably be able to go 10, 20 more innings uh, or the equivalent thereof in pitches next year. But, you know, he's tired. Yeah, and, you know, and he's not a crafty old veteran. He's winning by throwing out lightning stuff, nasty stuff. That's why he's winning. Uh, now, a, a pitchers, you know, that we saw for so long, Smoltz threw hard. You know, I mean, but he learned to get around. You know, he his arm was almost falling off a couple of times, you know, and he still learned how to pitch. And so if it came to playoff time, he was still going to be in the game. And I'm not saying Arietta won't get there, you know, oh, but he's like, you know, what, what is he? Right. We're, we're, yeah, we're looking, we're looking at the now, but yeah. I mean, you know, in fairness, he, he, he got slayed in game two by the same uh, dragon slayer that got Kershaw grinky, and Lester, and I think I'm leaving someone out, but um, Daniel Murphy, what a revelation. You know, yeah. he doesn't give up that home run. I mean, it's it's in the game, final Murphy's score. Murphy's always been a good hitter. I've always liked him as a hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's just going through a hot streak, and somebody better start pitching him a little differently. True. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's, you know, I well, no, I'm not going to say anything like that. <laughs> the, but you know, they didn't. Thankfully, I don't know what you were going to say, no, so we're good. We'll just yeah. we'll just breeze on by. Um, well, uh, and so speaking of big time starting pitchers, so once again, Grinky or I'm sorry, Kershaw and Co. They do not get out of the LDS. Um, you know, he got through a seventh inning on short rest finally, and ended up winning Game Four of that series, but. Is this a further indictment of Kershaw as not being able to dominate a postseason? No, he, no, not at all. He's been, he's. Who do you want pitching in a big game that you know next year? Let's just say there's a game you have to win next September. Uh, who right now? Who would you put your money on that you want pitching for you? Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> All right. Okay. But <laughs> fair enough. But, but Kershaw, Kershaw would be good. Is in the list. Pretty much I mean, anyone but Shelby Miller, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> or at Shelby least Shelby got his last win. Yeah, he did. That's true. He's undefeated in his last win going into next year. But um, uh, to that point, though, yeah, you're right. Kershaw, I'll, I'll throw him out there every time he's available and feel good about my chances. There you go. We're not seeing a bum gardener this year. So how much, how, how much more incredible was Bumgardner's ride last year? Considering nobody's stepping up like that this year, or can that is I don't understand that. That is. Let me see if I can rephrase that. Do we have a bum gardener this this post? Let me rephrase it. Do we have a bum gardener this postseason? We don't know. I don't think we do because it was going to be Arietta. What I guess it could be Matt Harvey. How about that innings limit, huh? That's really been. It could be strictly enforced. Certainly, be a uh, a Met pitcher. They all have just nasty stuff. They are just nasty. Yeah, and they're they're like the nasty boys as starters. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Um, and Cindergard pitching a hundred out of the bullpen—that was pretty sweet. They need a left-hander. Yeah, well, it doesn't look like it's going to trouble them too much <laughs> this year. Yeah. And then uh, David Price, though, same same kind of. Question similar to Kershaw, he loses again as a starter in a big game, coasting for a while, and then coughs up the coughs up the lead. So, what of David Price now? Uh, well, I'm the same way with Price as I am with uh, any of them. Uh, I, I still have faith in uh, him as a pitcher. Do I want Kershaw pitching in September? Do I want David Price pitching in September? He's one of the best pitchers in the game. All right. He's lost seven, uh, straight playoff games or eight now. Okay. (laughs) And so he matched or the person who is next to him that is probably the most upset about this is Randy Johnson because everywhere you went this week they were saying Randy Johnson lost seven in a row uh, before he won (laughs) Randy's probably going you know now these are the playoffs uh the uh the people who win the most games lose the most games uh in the playoffs they're in the playoffs uh and they're playing the best teams. Uh, I, I think uh, at one point, Whitey Ford had won the most and lost the most in uh, all playoffs. And that was all World Series games, you know, uh, which is right. pretty remarkable in yeah. itself. Now, I know that's well, been Pat. Yeah. Well, who, uh, is, it's Pettit who's probably won the most now, I think. Uh, Andy Pettit holds the record now for most wins in a postseason. You know what I just said? That is what you just said, so I'm just confirming what All you right. just said. Well, now, one last question, and then this is going to segue beautifully into the talking about the 1971 World Series. Um, Grinky did, in fact, opt out of his contract. So, A, where is he going to go? B, how much is he going to get? Uh, he'll get too much money for what he... Uh, I mean, he's, what, he's 33 now, isn't he? Uh, I'd have to look that I up. Mean, he's in his 30s now. Oh, yeah, easily. You know? He's been around yeah. for a while. He's got, right. he's uh, got a career. And he's career. one of the top pitchers in the game, but it's no longer uh, profitable to put people in their 30s on long-term deals. You know, it's... Uh, don't tell the Tigers that. Don't tell the Angels that. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell a lot of teams that. Don't tell the Yankees that. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and don't tell the Dodgers that because they took a bunch of those contracts off of the Red Sox. Yeah, true. Different GM, but true. Yeah. So, But you do think he goes back to Los Angeles? or I Until I know more or hear more uh, about who will offer him money, uh, it, I don't know how many years he's looking for right now, uh, and that could change everything. So I'm not it, right now. Without knowing more, I would say the Dodgers look to be in the best position. Certainly. Um, do you think that his annual value will be north of thirty million dollars a year? Oh gosh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, the there are teams that are making more money now uh, than the gross national product of certain small countries, uh, and. I, you know, I don't regret that. Regret that at all. You know, I mean, uh, the more money they can make, the better. Uh, it's just hard for me to understand thirty million. You know, it's hard. But I mean, it's hard for me to understand uh, the salaries that you know some soccer players make and Formula One drivers make and uh, the. Uh, but you know, all power to them. Yeah. Well, you know, in this age of uh, economics and, and analysis, I'm sure there's a there's a strong dollar correlation to how much they bring into the team itself. So to have oh, that picture yeah, there. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Well, today for our special first to third about great World Series in baseball history, we're talking 1971. Um of course, it is known far and wide for Mr. Clemente. He was a one-man gang that series, and that's putting it lightly. Um, was the World Series MVP. Following year, he gets uh, hit number 3,000, and then the tragic uh, airplane accident, accident that took his, or crash that took his life. Um, you just mentioned, though, that, uh, you know, we just listed off these big-time pitchers that are having, that are getting knocked around this postseason, uh, something about 71 that not a lot of people bring up or remember or, or, or put up in lights is that the Baltimore Orioles, the team the Pirates defeated, had four 20-game winners. Has that ever happened before or since? It happened before. It happened in 1920, the <laughs> Chicago White Sox, with all those pitchers that threw it in 1919, still on the team. They, you know, they were there for one more year. Everybody was. And uh, but they had four twenty game winners. Um, the uh, or you know, and this was at a time where you know you're talking about the pitchers. I mean, these guys, these four pitchers were all throwing close to three hundred innings. You know, I think. Uh, and now they teams didn't go work as going deep in the count in those days, so that cuts down on the pitches. Uh, but. There were still power pitchers, you know, McNally and Palmer and uh, Dobson and Cuellar. All of them were. Cuellar threw a screwball, you know. Was, I mean, Cuellar was nasty, too. Yeah. Well, um, of course, Clemente, he is your favorite player of all time. Um, you remember this World Series very well because you were alive, which is a good thing. Um, you know, the Baltimore Orioles... Uh, they're the defending champs. They've won over 100 games. It goes seven. So, Coach, you being the historian better than I and having uh, watched this uh, in your 20s, tell, take it from there. Was I in my 20s? Yeah. You were close. Yeah, I was close. You, I were like, I... you were like right there. Yeah, all right. Uh, the 
Yeah, I was 19. <laughs> uh, the, uh, all right. It was, it was uh, a great World Series. Uh, it, it had, you're right, the Orioles had uh, won 100 games. Three years in a row, they'd won 100 games. You know, and they had swept the league championship series in four games, three years in a row. Uh, the, it wasn't just those four pitchers. You had Brooks Robinson. You had Frank Robinson. You had yeah, Boog Powell and Belanger. And it, was, it was a great team. They were, uh, you know, and led by an owner that let you – I mean, led by a manager who let you know they were a great team. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, – they were formidable in many different ways. Uh, even uh, early on had a, a pretty good bullpen, yet it was a time when pitchers were still throwing complete games. And uh, the those four 20-game winners was more a product of the Oriole team than it was – those four guys being great. Uh, I don't the Oriole way. I, I don't know that Pat Dobson uh, ever won 20 games in a year, but uh, 71. But it, he was still a good pitcher. Uh, McNally was, you know, he, he won 20 games several times. Palmer, Hall of Famer. Uh, but they were a tremendous team. Uh, the Pirates had uh, were a good team. Uh, they had... Uh, two Hall of Famers in their the peak of their careers. Uh, Clemente was still leading the league in uh, in batting, and Stargell was just coming on like a beast. And Mazeroski was still on the team, giving it a, a kind of stability, but not playing much. Uh, they had a a team that hit well. They had a, a young catcher, Sanguian, that was coming on and uh, looking. Uh, to be a star. Their pitching wasn't anywhere close. I mean, Doc Ellis, I think, won 19 games. Steve Blass, I think, uh, won 15 and uh, the uh, was looking like a future star. Uh, but they, uh, they really they had a bullpen ahead of their time. Was uh, the national consensus at that time that they were just completely outmatched? Uh the at that time, at it was yes. Uh, people, there, there was not much interest in the World Series at all uh, at that time uh, because the Orioles looked to be so dominant. Uh, and the uh, Pittsburgh, I think there were people that were upset that Pittsburgh had beaten out the Giants, and uh, so Willie Mays was not going to play in the World Series. Uh, the uh, and there certainly was uh, a formidable team in the Giants in that time. But that may have been part of the thing that that irked Clemente on so much. Uh, I've mentioned many times that he's my favorite player, but it was the ferocity with which he played. Just, uh, I mean, just diving for everything and slamming into walls and uh, running with uh, yeah, just abandon. Uh, the, and he was injured a lot. He had a bad back and uh, had, had a, a continual twitch in his uh, head. The, uh, and he, but he got so much just 
heaped on him by Pittsburgh. That was, and particularly the Pittsburgh press. And I, it seemed so racist. I don't know if it was, but I mean, they insisted uh, on calling him Bobby and he insisted, my name is Roberto, you know, and he were, he felt all the time that he did not get the appreciation that the Aarons and the Mazes and uh, the Robinsons and the other superstars of that era did. But they, everybody knew he was as good a player as anybody on the field. He, he did everything. He ran and he threw. Nobody had an arm like him. Uh, it was yeah. so... Uh, such a a great base runner uh the uh and he led the league in hitting four times one you know what 11 gold gloves uh by this point uh he, and never got the recognition they're still because pittsburgh just didn't like seeing that their best player was black and he was well, so, latino well yeah but a a black latino yeah uh they didn't make that uh differentiation no and they day. famous or uh, infamously quoted him in papers Oh, yes. In broken English. Right, right. I mean, it was just atrocious uh, the way he was treated. And he always thought that had he played uh, in New York or Los Angeles or, you know, even Chicago or something like this, he would have gotten so much more recognition. Uh, and as by transference, so did Puerto Rico. He had this, like, real connection with uh, trying to be representative of Puerto Rico. But at any rate, uh, it was at that time, if you were from a lesser market, uh, and I, you weren't from New York, you weren't from L.A., or you weren't from Chicago, uh, the only way the casual fan knew about you uh, was when you went to the World Series. Brooks Robinson, the year before, was 33 years old, had won 10 gold gloves, uh, but and was you know he was called uh, you know the human vacuum cleaner. I mean uh, called Hoover. He was uh, and he's playing at a time where Cleet Boyer's playing. But he uh, <laughs> but people uh, didn't uh, really know the casual fan didn't know how good Cle- uh, how good Brooks Robinson was until the nineteen seventy World Series when he makes that play on Lee May when he makes the two plays on Johnny Bench the play on Perez you know he just just stops them it's the the season where I mean it's when we have the quote from Pete Rose that uh, Robinson played in a higher league uh, you know it was but that's when the world got to know who Brooks Robinson was uh, by and 71 was the chance for Clemente to get uh, to let the world know who he was the the stars in the game they knew uh, but Clemente uh, his own town you know didn't appreciate him uh, and he uh he played with such ferocity all the time, but in that series, he did whatever he needed to do. He was what Yastrzemski was down the stretch in 67. Just, you know, you needed a diving play to stop a ball. He got, you, you need a couple of home runs in different games. He gets, you know, you need doubles, you need triples, whatever you need. It's like what Robert Duvall is saying in The Natural when he's uh, talking about Roy Hobbs' streak. He says he, he, he wants a double, he wants it, he gets a double. He wants a home run, he gets a home run. Uh, it's the same thing. And, I mean, and that's uh, the uh, Clement. You need a stolen base. You need whatever. Uh, he gave it to you. And it was uh, the, I think, 
the coming out party for him that uh, as is so often used today. But it was so late, and uh, but and it was a great series. Uh, you know, a little known fact about that series is that was the first series. Well, it's not a little known fact; it's a very well known fact. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But uh, an interesting fact about that series is that was the first series that had a scheduled night game. Yep, uh, and I think it was the fourth game. Uh, yeah, the, uh, but, never been played at night before then. The, uh, it's too bad now we have a whole generation of kids that never see a World Series game. That yeah, in the daytime. Although we are getting a lot of uh, 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 LCS games and such in the daytime, which is kind of nice. So there is yes. playoff baseball that exists in in the daylight hours. Um, that was also that World Series uh, came away with some of the highest ratings. Uh, ever for a World Series. Now, granted, it's 1971. You don't have, you know, a thousand channels and on demand and, you know, all these other things now fighting for one's attention. Um, But what was the vibe like as you're watching this series take place? You know, Pittsburgh loses the first two games and then they go back and they they have to come back from a, I think it was a three games to one deficit. Um, No, I think it was, I think it went, Two, two, one. Uh, That's right. Two. Yeah, they actually took up. So they came back up. They were up three, two. So right. it goes to game seven. But just you know, watching that series, you already were familiar with Clemente. But for you personally, seeing this play oh, out, I was, I was just so happy for him. You know, as a fan, that's the way you were. And it was, like, so great watching this. It was like, you know, uh, it, it's what. I, I, it was, it was watching a true master in the field. You know, uh, it was watching somebody. Uh, you know, it, it was watching Louis Aparicio throw uh, and Nellie Fox turn a double play. It's like what the game is all about. It was beautiful. Yeah. And so, what about some of the lesser known? Like by virtue of your, uh, you know, love and affinity for. Clemente, were you a Pirates fan? No. As that was, no? No. So, like, Steve Blass, for example, winning two games, including Game 7 on a four-hit four uh, complete game, did this impress you at all? Did you go put no, that? No, no, I'll tell you what was impressive in that series, and I, I don't remember the whole connection. I think the guy who won the fourth game uh, – was this Keeson or uh, what was his name? But I mean, he was game four. You had yeah, uh, yeah Keeson, Keeson, Bruce yeah, Keeson. Yeah, I mean, he was a sometimes starter reliever, uh, and he throws like a two hitter in that game, uh, and that so uh, Murtaugh had his uh, his starters rested for game six and seven, uh, which um, that uh, I mean. And that guy threw like the best game of the whole series. Uh, what I thought the the whole pitching staff was used expertly by the Pittsburgh manager, and I uh, and then Clemente took care of the rest. Yeah, so. um, the actually about Keeson though he gave up three runs in the first. Um, oh, is that it? Yeah, but it was. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, that was Walker actually started that game. That's not who I'm looking at. Walker starts game four, gives up three runs in the first, but then Keeson comes in and shuts the door who pitched and game gets the five? win. Who pitched game five? Game five was McNally for Baltimore and then Bryles for Pittsburgh. And that was a two-hit shutout pitched by Bryles. That's what I meant. That was mm-hmm. the thing, having Bryles and then pitch against McNally too. 
Yeah. Uh, Nellie Bryles was uh, the guy. Yeah, Keeson just pitched all in relief that right. series. Um, this Orioles team, um, you know, this is the third year they're, they're the, that they're in the World Series. They lose in 69 to the Miracle Mets. They win in 70, and then they, they lose in 71, and then it kind of turns over to a, an Oakland-Cincinnati show in baseball. Is this team just, compl- like, is it very underappreciated in your mind? Do you think that they're overlooked in the annals of great, you know, eras of teams, uh, so to well, speak? Um, I mean, this is something that seems like they've been, uh, like, you know, you don't hear uh, much reverence given regularly to... Whatever, you know, you can say whatever you want about the pitching and everything. Uh, the Orioles aren't any good uh, ever until Frank Robinson shows up. <laughs> and they're not any good when Frank Robinson leaves. Mm-hmm. There you go. Period. I mean, you know, Frank Robinson, uh, the uh, you know, he's a, a pantheon. You know, he's like, you know, one of the greatest players ever, just like Clemente was. I mean, uh, and uh, it was a tribute to this series that you have the two people who played the hardest in the game. The I was thinking about this earlier today that the the if I had to compare Clemente to any player uh, with the ferocity with which he played, it'd be Pete Rose. <laughs> and I hate to say that. Uh, credit I mean, where credit's due on the base pass, though, I uh, guess. It was... They both they seemingly had different motivations, uh, you know. And that's a gross understatement. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, um, you know, Clemente is in it for a whole nation. At the end of the day, Pete Rose is in it for Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah, that's so. kind of that's kind of. I didn't want to say that, but that's, <laughs> well, the, uh, the boot fits. And Clemente just wasn't all nation. You know, he dies doing a Nicaraguan. You know, yeah, bringing relief show. supplies. Right. Uh, go ahead. I don't know what I was going to say. Um, the game seven, though, um, you know, there are a few things greater in sports than game seven. So, how exciting was it that game seven? Where did you watch it? Where did you watch all of these games just in Atlanta? Were you around amongst other baseball oh, fans? No, uh, I think in that year I was in college. Well, so, yeah, so, I mean, but oh, except let me see in October. I, I don't know. I don't remember where I, I watched it. Well, let me rephrase I, it this way. The game seven did that. How 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 well did this World Series capture the nation's attention at this time period? You know, this is a this is a transitional rough era for America. Right. So. Uh, and baseball uh, was losing its standards uh i mean mickey mantle's gone you know and Mays is is gone and or i mean you know he will be but he's just you know uh you you the miracles that came out of Mays were gone and the yankees were no more uh you know they were no longer the yankees and so uh it wasn't i i don't think the casual fan was that big on the game at that time i don't think baseball cards sold as well in the 70s uh 
and then it changed in 75 you know that whole series changes everything somewhat and uh the a's bring a new kind of excitement to the game afterwards i don't really think uh the game was as popular in the 70s we don't have kurt flood's decision you know he's not he's still overruled in 72 and so player uh in free agency added so much to the game you know i mean and where the fans uh you could have hope you know again from you know certain fans and the uh people watch but during that sort of time people watched the world series uh because that may be the only uh you know baseball they're watching all year right. and uh it was the time that you got to see uh people like Brooks Robinson come out and get to see Clemente come out and yeah understood now again the the in this in in this era that we live in where we're you know always looking for the postseason teams with like that one two punch of 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 aces they had a the Orioles had a one two three four punch essentially so at the end of the day was it Clemente playing out of his mind that inspired the whole the whole pirate team to be able to beat those 20 game winners um or what did you remember as as to how Pittsburgh was was able to win oh, no, it overall I, it just like i mean the two most all right extended periods of excellence from different major league ball players has always interested me i mean it's always i think it's captivates so many people about the game uh we and i i'm not talking about juiced players that suddenly hit 70 home runs in you know our mountain yeah that doesn't count uh i'm not talking about those but like what yastrzemski did in 67 uh was just unbelievable just i mean you know every clutch hit every clutch play he he did it uh to see what clemente did during that series it was the same sort of thing and uh that's i've seen you know there was a Daryl Evans, much underrated ball player, uh, you know, played most of his career with the Braves, uh, played for Detroit, all sorts of teams, uh, and hit, I don't, you know, maybe 400 home runs. He, he uh, but he had streaks at times where he would not, you know, he would walk or he'd get a hit. I mean, and it was like 28 out of 30 at bats, you know, and then there'd be other times where he's just dead cold. Uh, but, uh, Will Clark used to do that. You know, used to have just streaks where he, you just couldn't get him out and to see that sort of thing when that's happening. That's like, you know, that's one of the great things in the game. Yeah. I don't know how I got there. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that is what, what you and so many, that's the big takeaway from 1971 I, and rightfully so uh, from the 71 series. Is that- I was disappointed that Stargell didn't go deep, you know, some, I mean, I think he hit like 48 bombs or something that year. I mean, it's just, it was a beast and he, they kept him under check. I think Robertson, the first baseman hit a couple. Stargell uh, only had one. Yeah. But he was kept pretty much under check. And I think yeah. Robertson hit a couple, uh, the, uh, in Clemente hit a couple and he, that he was not home running, but it yeah. was, uh, you know, Stargell, uh, Robertson played better than, uh, 
than did uh, Stargill. Stargill. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't, Cash had an all right, you know, but I, I, there was, I mean, it was the year of Clemente, just like the year before. You know, that was really the beginning of the big red machine. When you think about it in 70, that was the Reds, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was Pete Rose and Johnny Bench. They didn't have Morgan yet, but they still had three Hall of Famers on the team. Uh, right. The, uh, <laughs> and they, uh, you know, they were beat. Uh, that was uh, 70. They're, they're back in 72 and then 74, 75, 76. You know, I mean. Oh, certainly. You know, that was the beginning of it. And people don't look at it that they were just beaten down. Right. And so kind of a final thought on on that very thing about eras and talking about team eras again. Do we think or do you think first off that the Orioles um that 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 era of the Baltimore Orioles underachieved? Because it's interesting about the the Big Red Machine. We've talked about this. The Oakland A's won more championships in that decade. Oh yeah. yeah. And were it not for, you know, 75 that epic world series that they win which they easily could have lost you could argue had bill lee not thrown the efers pitch we were looking at the reds with only one championship in that whole era so do you think that baltimore is 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 a the the 69 through 72 orioles are a great underachieving team of all time no given how how close they were to taking it all um no, they were a great team for a long time. They were they were great as long as Frank Robinson was there. There you go. I mean, <laughs> they, they. I'm sorry. You know, they had other play. I mean, you're. You know, one one thing we're talking about all of these World Series teams. If you look at them, all of them are always going to have three Hall of Famers on the team. They always do. Uh, tell me. I mean, there are obviously ones recently you know, who have yet to have people go into the Hall of Fame. But if you go back in time, um, the uh, any of them, they're always going to have three Hall of Famers. Uh, That's interesting. The, uh, I mean, well, what? We're in 71, you have Clemente, Stargell, and Mazeroski still on the team. Oh, yeah, uh, on uh, both sides of the... Of yeah. the... <laughs> and then you have two Robinsons and Palmer yeah. on the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. The uh, it all. I mean, what we're talking about the year before. You have uh, what was it? Uh, the Orioles. Well, they had uh, the two Robinsons and a Palmer, uh, and, <laughs> right? Uh, playing the Reds. Uh, they had a few Hall of Famers on yeah, that team. Bench and Perez. Uh, Rose. I have to go look that up. You know, uh, I'm going to put Rose in that category. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Were he and, not Pete Rose, he would be in the yeah. Hall of Fame. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all right. So. Well, thank you, Coach. And and and, and uh, with the uh, uh, you know, it's not looking good for the Blue Jays right now. So, uh, who's who's your World Series? What's your World Series matchup at, at this point? Cubs playing tonight at Wrigley. What's your World Series matchup? At- I don't think the Cubs stand a chance. All right, I don't think. Uh, I sorry, I like them. I was hoping they would do well, but they. They do better. They've done well. I mean, come on. <laughs> we got to give them that they've done really well, considering we thought this team was going to win, what, mid-80s and, you know, like right. 85, oh, yes. 86 yes, they, games. They have. Uh, so but, you got Mets, and then what do you think of the ALCS? Who comes out? In Kansas City. Yeah, Mets and Royals. I'd have to say the same. So, all right. Well, as always, thank you to everyone listening on the website, runningthebases.com. You can always find these podcasts available for download 
on soundcloud.com slash running the bases or on the iTunes store. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at running the base. It's been great to be a part of the conversation with Blue Jays fans, Royals fans, Cub fans up and down this postseason. So uh, look forward to more great games to come. And I, and I didn't even get to answer. I think we're at a B minus right now as far as the postseason grade. So, but there's still plenty of opportunity to get that up to a to an A. So, so for Coach Bounds, I'm Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming into home and we're safe. Good night, Coach. Good night.